0: Think about what you're good at. Think about certainly where the work is. Think about, you know, where your skills are. But also think about things like the environments you like to be in, the kind of stuff that, you know, makes you come to life. You know, I would have focused really on the things that you're only skilled at. So I was really good in math, good in accounting. So obviously, you know, that's where you end up. But I never asked my question, what do I actually love to do? And, you know, what? what is truly life-giving? You know, when I spend a day doing it, I actually feel more, invigorated as opposed to feeling drained. And I think that's that was the missing piece for me. And and thankfully, you know, that piece came together in time for me to make some some really important decisions.
1: Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo. And boy, do we have an amazing, exciting guest lined up for you today. I am speaking, of course, of the author of the book, The Power of Healthy Tension, the one, the only, the legendary Tim Arnold. Welcome to the show, Tim. Oh, thanks. It's awesome to be here. And that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you. Why, thank you. We're known for our introduction here on the show. So Tim, the person listening to this podcast is a coach or a consultant who's looking to grow their business. And what they want is to learn from you as our guest, as our expert guest, about how you've grown your business, they want to know your backstory. Tell us your backstory, brother.
0: Oh, my backstory, That's a, it's, a, it's a pretty fun one because I am a trained accountant and uh, I call myself a recovering accountant. I went through uh, my undergrad, pretty clear that that was gonna be my vocational future. And uh, as I got more into work placements, I realized pretty quickly that probably wasn't gonna be where I landed and i was super fortunate that through school i also had a side job doing outdoor adventure training with corporate groups so i got to take executive teams and sales teams outside to do everything from rock climbing to paddling to different adventures so that folks actually just got to know each other have some laughs together wasn't really skill development more than just bonding, but I did that just to pay rent. I enjoyed it, but I did it because I uh, you know, had to get my way through school. And then as I finished school, again, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my life? But I had this ongoing kind of corporate facilitation thing that I did to make a bit of money. And then I think it was probably a year after graduation. I'm like, I like this a lot and I'm pretty good at it. And uh, I don't know when the day or why it happened, but I kind of pivoted from doing this as a side hustle um, to making it my full-fledged focus and my passion. And, you know, that was back in the 90s. And uh, I started in the industry really on the kind of outdoor bonding, fun adventure side. And as the years progressed, I've always kind of stayed in the team building and leadership development space, uh, but do a lot more work uh, indoors now, working with teams and leaders to try to make them... Uh, Not just a group of people that kind of sit in the same room, but actually a group of people that experience just great synergy by getting the best out of each other. Um, So it wasn't the plan. I didn't go to school for it, but it was, uh, yeah, just a lot of things came together at the right time. And I was super fortunate to be able to to make it work.
1: Isn't that the way for so many people as they go through their journey? They start on one path. They think this might be the right path, but then they have that epiphany on the road to Damascus, just like Saul did. Right. And then turn from Saul into Paul (laughs) and they follow a whole new path. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I, you know, I I didn't grow up in a family where post-secondary education was common. So, you know, going down that road, it was like, okay, well, you do that, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or accountant or, you know, something very clear. So it really wasn't, it wasn't something I considered that, you know, you're, you're, your path may ebb and flow and, and in fact actually change. And I think, you know, I got two young kids at home and certainly I think that's part of the story that I want to add. And, you know, hopefully being a voice to them is, you know, think about what you're good at. Think about certainly where the work is. Think about, you know, where your skills are, but also think about things like the environments you like to be in, the kind of stuff that, you know, makes you come to life. You know, I would have, focused really on the things that you're only skilled at so I was really good in math good in accounting so obviously you know that's where you end up but I never asked my question what do I actually love to do and you know what what is truly life giving you know when I spend a day doing it I actually feel more invigorated as opposed to feeling drained and I think that's that was the missing piece for me and and thankfully you know that piece came together in time for me to make some some really
1: important decisions Awesome. 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 We like to say that there's five pillars to being a thought leader. Let me just walk you through what these five pillars are. And then I want you to comment on them. Okay. And especially look at them in terms of how you've applied them in your own practice. So number one is you need to have unique, original intellectual property that's world-class. To be a thought leader, you got to think. There's no getting around it, right? You got to come up with things that are going to help people and make a difference for them in their lives and in their businesses. Number two is you got to clarify your message. You got to clarify your target market. If you're all things to all people, you can't be a thought leader. Number three, you need to be preeminent in your field. You can't be another me too person. You need to be the best or one of the best people in your field. Number four, you need to be someone who can leverage your expertise across multiple modes of delivery. And this is a phrase I got from Matt Church, the author of the book, The Thought Leader Practice. So you can't just be coaching one-on-one or just doing workshops or just doing speaking. You need to be delivering your expertise across multiple modes of delivery. And then last but not least, you can't do it alone. You need mentors. You need peer groups. In fact, I've got this meme on social media, hashtag don't do 2018 alone. What are your comments on these five pillars of thought leadership? Well, I think my first comment
0: is where were you in 1997 when I needed you? (laughs) (laughs) I think that some of these, I, I don't think I'd have the same language as you, but man, the spirit behind, I think what you're talking about are just so critical when you You know, you feel that you've got maybe something to offer to the world but you just don't quite know the best way to get it out there. I think, you know, I've got thoughts on quite a few. I mean, in terms of intellectual property, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because I I feel, you know, I started in my young 20s into uh, corporate consulting and executive development. I think one thing that if I could talk to myself now, you know, back then, it'd be, you know, I had a really great mentor at the time his amazing corporate executive consultant. And he said, spend, you know, spend a year, spend a little bit of time because you're working with me a lot, just kind of watch me and model kind of what I do. Cause I'm pretty good at it. And he was, he was fantastic. He was a master at it, but he said the whole time, you know, model my work, but do it always with the intent that you're going to slowly start to find your own voice and, And, you know, start with something that works, but constantly move to find your voice. And I think for me, you know, finding your voice is also usually pretty connected to tapping into, you know, what ultimately will be your unique thing. You know, what is it that out of all the work you do with leaders and and, and all the work you do with, you know, high performers, what is it that you feel out of everything else you just you're passionate about, you know, sometimes... Um, I've heard it referred to as your holy discontent and that you just, you just it keeps you up at night that people have to struggle with this. And I think once you start to identify that and, and and do it through some experience. Yeah. Then you go to town saying, okay, how do I, I think first of all, Nikki, for me is how do I be a student of this? How do I read every book I can read? How can I, you know, and, and for me, you know, I, I do a lot of work around tension and uh, chronic issues that leaders face. You know, I scrambled up the pennies to get on planes and, and meet with the, the thought leaders that were out there and just say, hey, if I take you to lunch, I got five questions. I won't waste your time, but you just let me ask you five questions. And I was fortunate enough that no one said no. And, and, and as you talk to these people, you read the information, I think the whole time you're doing that on one hand with the humility of knowing that there's lots of stuff out there before you. But if that's the puzzle pieces that are out there, there's a puzzle missing and it's your piece. So whatever space you're in, what is the piece that you want to contribute? And then ultimately, once I think that becomes clear, just don't hold back. You know, at that point, you want to be really becoming the person who's known for that space. And, you know, in, in, in my world, like I said, I do a lot of work with chronic issues and, and complexity and, and, you know, if you look at the, the good to great Jim Collins, if you look at Barry Johnson's polarity management and the fifth discipline, Peter Senge's work around systems thinking, all of those pioneers are speaking about the same phenomenon that I speak up. But, you know, as I met with some of these folks, as I, I spend time reading, the whole time you're thinking, okay, but what's my piece? And then I think that, yeah, what I said, once that emerges... You know, I think it allows you then to move to the fact of, okay, I'm not going to speak now about, you know, 80 different models and theories in the complexity world or in the, in the you know, the conflict management world. I'm going to really, really be clear on my piece. And, you know, ultimately I'm going to work so that my space becomes kind of claimed by me, not as the be all end all, because there's lots of other pieces in the puzzle, but this piece is mine. And I think you know, when you talk about, you know, being the person to be known in your field, you know, I, I, I would I would feel that, you know, I, I use the word in your space a lot. And I think, you know, again, it's the humility of knowing that there's lots of other pieces that fit together, you know, to provide really good executive development and team development. But there's one piece that you do better than anyone else. And, you know, at that point, I think, you know, the piece I'd still be working on is your, you know, your last two pieces, which is number one, now that I feel like I've started to really start, you know, writing, blogging, speaking, podcasting, doing webinars, not all over the map, but really focused around my piece, kind of my specific element of thought where I have leadership. How do I leverage that? And, you know, I mentioned a number of the ways, but, you know, the one thing that's that's Obviously challenging is that you can't do everything. So you want to leverage it, but you also want to leverage it in a way that, you know, and for me it's kind of like, okay, I want to leverage, but I need to do it with a short list because I can't, I can't be spread too thin. It's even like examples in social media, you know, you've got so many social media platforms. I can't I can't deliver 10 to 10 level contribution on all those platforms. But I feel like I can do pretty darn good at a couple. So what are the what are the few that suit me really, really well? And then I'm not gonna lose sleep that I'm not on every other platform. And I think with your expertise, you know, you can't lose sleep with the fact like, oh, you know, I should be doing an online training course or oh man, I should be doing an institute. you know, I should be faculty in an institute. And is the list just keeps growing and growing of ways you could leverage your expertise. But I think you have to think about okay, but what's, you know, what's my top five? What are five things for me? that I feel are a well-rounded way to leverage my expertise. Maybe it is speaking, you know, maybe it's a podcast. If you've got those skill sets, uh, maybe you're just going to go to town on social, but those are the ones that at the end of the day, if I deliver on those, you know, diverse areas, I'm going to go to bed and rest. I'm not going to feel like I'm under delivering. I'm not going to worry about all the things I'm not doing, but I'm going to do well at those. And as far as the not alone piece, you know, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I've been lucky or just blessed, but as I've been doing more and more work now for over 20 years in this world of, you know, executive development, corporate team development, you would think that it'd be a really competitive arena. And yet I have, I would say 90% of the time have found it to be incredibly collaborative. I feel like anytime that I've done things like throw out you know, an email to a bunch of my competitors saying, hey, you guys want to spend the day together and just learn from each other? What are the challenges you're facing? Let's talk about it. Trying to develop communities of practice, getting into a mentoring group. There is so many more doors open than doors closed. And I think, again, it's like, okay, who's my tribe going to be? And, and I'm not going to just kind of tap into a tribe to get. I'm going to manage that in a way that I give just as much. Um, but I, you know what, all five pillars you're talking about, I think are key. And I think that, you know, there's probably a bit of sequence in what one's coming first, but you're the expert there. I'm not quite sure about that.
1: Well, I think the thinking comes first. <laughs> Just being a thought leader, you got to get into some serious thinking, right? You've got to figure out what your expertise is. That's one of the things that uh, we do inside E-Circle in our programs for people is we help them identify what have you spent a lifetime creating in terms of your expertise? And then how do you turn that into actual IP? That's really, really important. Once you do that, the, the next step is, well, who's this applicable to? Who cares, right? Like, who is the niche market that needs what you're bringing? And then once you've got that going on, then you got to start thinking about taking it to market. You got to pitch, you know, and then once you've pitched it, you've got some people to buy, you've got to see, hey, how can I leverage this across some other things? And then while you're doing all that, I think there's the umbrella of preeminence. That doesn't come, you know, in a sequential process, preeminence happens over time. Once you've been doing your work for a long period of time, you'll become preeminent, right? And then last but not least, and again, I think this, again, isn't sequential, but it's something you absolutely must do. Don't do it alone. You got to have mentors. You got to be part of peer groups. And this is an ongoing thing. That's great. Makes sense? Cool. Yeah. So that's cool. So I was in a workshop you led uh, a week ago, and one of the things that you really helped me land on was very succinctly letting people know what we do. So I used to have this big convoluted statement that I would bring out when people said, what do you do? I said, hey, I help people become thought leaders and express their expertise and use that to uh, make a certain amount of money a year. And a lot of people would look at me and go, a thought leader? Do you mean like Tony Robbins? I can't be like Tony Robbins. Forget it. And I, I, I narrowed that down to I help coaches and consultants grow their business. Simple, yet powerful. There's power in simplicity, Tim. And I'm going to just take a big leap here. That That's not just part of the workshop that you led for us. That's a big part of what you help people arrive at in the work you do. Uh, am I mistaken?
0: No, that's bang on. You know what? I, uh, you know, the workshop that we got to spend some time together last week, I, I had the privilege of being part of a team out of Nashville, a uh, company called StoryBrand. Uh, Storybrand is a just an incredible organization that helps organizations and leaders clarify their message. You know, the the underlying foundation is that if you confuse, you lose. Um, that I love it, that
1: statement. It's so powerful.
0: The human mind is drawn to clarity and away from confusion. And in a world where we're being bombarded with three thousand commercial messages a day, something has happened in our brains. That we learn to kind of gravitate towards what we get, get rid of everything else. And and the the the, the problem is, and you know, we talked last week about I don't know if you remember this idea of a curve, it's called the curse of knowledge.
1: I remember it well. In fact, Cur- I wrote a blog post about it.
0: Something that I feel everyone should know. And if you are in a, a role where you have to sell yourself, you have to kind of promote your ideas, man, you better know this well, because the curse of knowledge is that you need to realize that you do, or you know what you do at a 10 out of 10 level, you know it fully, the complexities, the ins and outs, the applications, all the way it can help, you know, the steps involved in kind of seeing it through, you know, everything at a 10 out of 10 level. Well, if I meet you at a networking event and and you say, Hey Tim, what do you do for a living? I need to assume that you know what I do at a zero to the 10 level. And the reality, and there's a lot of evidence to back this up, if you're going to really get what I do, I've got to convey it to you. Even though I know a 10 out of 10, I got to convey it to you at about a two out of 10 level. Now, the, the challenge is when I think I've done that, research would say most of us are still at a seven or an eight out of 10. We think we're at a two out of 10. But really we're really, really close to 10. And that gap between the two out of 10 that you need and the seven or eight that I just use to explain what I do, that gap is called the curse of knowledge. And it's the reasons that our businesses get stuck. We think, oh my gosh, I'm talking, I'm speaking, I'm you know, and all this work to get my message out there, and people just aren't getting it. And you know, I, I hear often people saying, if people just knew how, you know, the impact of what I offer, but they just don't seem to get it. And, and, you know, the vast majority of time, it's because we're, we're being inflicted by the curse of knowledge. And, you know, I work with folks usually for a couple of days, like I did with you last week, to say it takes a lot of work. It's kind of a paradox, but it takes a lot of work to take business complexity and turn that into communication simplicity. For you to talk about what you do in a clean, concise, compelling way but very, very simple, is actually one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do. But once you've learned to do that, once you've learned to overcome the curse of knowledge and start to you know, get this concept of what you do across, similar to Nikki, what you just told me about how you talk about what you do now, it's people say, oh, I get that. Not only that, if that person may not be an ideal client, They could leave the conversation and talk to someone across the room and they may not use the exact words that you use, but they could actually explain what you do because it made sense at their level. Now, of course, you know, as we engage with clients, they need to know more information and that's great. We'll give them information as they need it. But starting a conversation about, you know, I work with thought leaders and help them with preeminence and that's all true. And you know what? It's all powerful. And it'll actually work against you if you lead with it. Because people are like, they're going to nod their head because they don't want to feel silly. But they're like, too much information. Too much information. Uh, Does that that
1: make sense? It totally makes sense. You know, and you helped us come up with what you called our one-liner. And our one-liner was, there's a lot of coaches and consultants who want to grow their business but don't know how. At East circle Academy, we have a unique program that's helped the majority of our members grow their business to 250,000 or more a year. And when you join our program, you'll grow your business and your money worries will be over. I love how simple that is. I've been putting that all over uh, my social media descriptors and LinkedIn and Facebook. But do you also bring this level of simplicity to the work that you do with leaders intention?
0: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I have a book called The Power of Healthy Tension, um, which in itself can be a little provocative because a lot of people, um, depending on how you've been raised, tension is often a bad word. You know, I was raised in a, in a space where, you know, at the dinner conversation, if you start to feel tension, you change the subject, you're going to avoid it at all costs. And I've worked with a heck of a lot of teams where once they start to feel the conversation getting tense, they change the subject. They talk about something a little bit easier. My encouragement um, and even warning is that there are some tensions in our lives that avoiding them is the worst thing we could do. Uh, there's some tensions that if we actually kind of instead of looking away, lean into them, they can be the source of a huge competitive advantage and a huge amount of power. The the challenge that I find, you know, going back to kind of the piece that you feel more than anyone else, you have a a voice in is. Is I worked with leaders and as I worked with teams, you know they'd have beautiful missions and visions and values. You know sometimes they were written on the wall. They'd have strategic plans that they felt great about. That they had you know um, wonderful consultants lead them through. It's they they'd have really good people around the boardroom table. So they're like, okay, we've got plans, we got vision, we've got good people, and yet I often hear the same thing: we feel stuck. We know where it is we want to go. We just we just can't feel like we're getting there. We don't know why because we got the plan, we got the people. And what I found was, although there's lots of reasons that we get stuck in our leadership, and there's lots of reasons we get stuck in our teams, one of the most common reasons is that we're stuck because we're avoiding the tensions that we should have be embracing. Instead of walking away or ignoring them, we need to name them. When you go, you know, talk about simplicity. One of the things that I've found is that every organization, and I'd say every leader, of all the tensions out there, there's one or two that are going to be make it or break it for you. And if you can name it and then put energy in, not to avoid it, but to manage it well, it'll make all the difference. So when I say tension, I'm actually talking about in organizations, we often call them conflicting values, things like structure, but flexibility. Uh, Things like planning, but also acting. You know, in organizations, we want to manage our costs, but we also want to maintain quality. You know, as a speaker, as a communicator, I want to be clear and concise and truthful, but I need to also be tactful and diplomatic. You know, as a a dad, I got to learn to manage work and home. Well, you know what? These are unsolvable problems. These, you and I could talk next week, next month, and next year, and those tensions will still exist in your life. And if something, I said earlier that I use the word chronic issues, if something's chronic, meaning that it just surfaces over and over and over again, it's the kind of thing that at, an, at, at a team meeting in the back of your head, you're like, are we actually talking about this again? Those are good signs that, hey, maybe this isn't a problem that we should ever assume we will solve, but instead let's just accept that this is a tension we have to manage and let's name it, learn a few skills to manage it well. And I work with organizations sometimes every day that the difference maker for them, the thing that gets them unstuck in their leadership and then their teams is being able to bring a really simple way to communicate just one or two tensions that they've got to start embracing, that they've got to start kind of leaning into. You know, I, have, I worked with a company today, actually, I was in Toronto this morning, and it's a company that's really trying to flatten out their hierarchy, so they're, they're kind of getting rid of a ton of management. But what they realize is that this is only gonna work if we manage the tension between freedom and accountability, meaning that we're gonna start giving people a lot more freedom around here, freedom around their day, their schedule, their approach to sales, we're going to have a lot more freedom, but that's only going to work if with every bit of freedom that we increase, there's also a heightened amount of accountability. Accountability to each other, accountability to the team. So Dave said we're going to be relentless on making sure everybody knows that we're going to move forward and being less hierarchical and a little bit more kind of level then we've got to manage this tension between freedom and accountability really, really well. For 10 years, I took a break from consulting and I ran a homeless shelter. And uh, in the homeless shelter, you know, I got involved because I loved connecting and befriending and trying to lend a hand to folks that are, you know, on the street. And when I started, I thought that the, the solution, you know, to helping people get off the streets was unconditional acceptance. You know, these are folks that often, for whatever reason, um, we're judged, you know, we're really, you know, in my family, even though I made lots of good and bad decisions, I always knew regardless of the decisions I made, I always have people that accepted me. I always knew that. Well, I found a lot of my friends in the streets that just was never real for them. They just never had that unconditional acceptance. And I thought, okay, well, that's going to be our approach. We're going to be unconditionally accepting no matter what people have done, no matter what they do, no matter what they do down the road, We won't judge them. We'll just be unconditionally accepting. But what I found, Nikki, is that unconditional acceptance, if it's not held in tension with accountability, accountability is the tough love. It's the experiencing consequences. It's actually having to, um, you know, live out or be held accountable for the decisions you make. Unconditional acceptance without accountability is called enabling and it's harmful And what we realized as a team is, gang, if we're really going to help the community and help people on the streets, we've got to start naming, really simply, we've got to start naming the tension between unconditional acceptance and accountability. And we're going to be relentless every day to manage that well. We know it's not going to go away. This is not a problem we'll solve, but we're going to manage it well. And the more that we're committed to managing that tension, the more we're going to serve people and get off the streets and transform their lives. So that's That's the work I get to do. I get to help people just provide a little clarity around the key tensions that are really make it or break it for them. To assess them, you know, how well is the tension? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Then what do you do about it? How do you make that tension actually work for you and
1: not against you? I love what you just shared. I love it. This is something that I'm going to, consume. I'm 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 going to I'm going to read your book and I'm going to buy a bunch of copies and give them out to people that I care about, clients, family members because I think everybody needs to hear this message. So, the way for people to really benefit from this is I think they need to buy your book, Tim. So, if you're listening to this listener, go to Amazon and order five copies, one for you and four for the people you care about the most. Make sure that you read this book cover to cover, take lots of notes and that you give it to the people you care about most and encourage them to read it too, because this is really important, groundbreaking stuff. There are some unsolvable conflicts. It's important to understand that and be okay with it, because many of us feel bad that there's you know, tension between work and and life. But we shouldn't. It's normal. It should be there. And if we if we accept that it's a reality, we can actually use it to help propel us forward, where if we don't accept that it's a reality, we're just going to feel bad. We're going to pretend that there's actually something we can do to solve the problem when there really isn't. And that's going to take away from our power and our ability to manifest that power in the work that we do. Do I have it right, Tim?
0: We do, man, and you're very kind in your words, but I I, you know, I believe with all my heart, I think that as a, as a society, we just wanna see everything as if it's a problem to solve. And again, I'm a trained accountant. I love solving problems. And I think probably the majority of things we face each day, we can solve. But you know as well as I do that there's other stuff that just does not go away. You know, and you, you think about folks that are listening, folks that are building up their, their consultancy, their coaching practice, They got to figure out a way to be task-focused, but at the same time relationship-oriented. You know, I got to be grounded in what I know and in my strategy, but I got to be visionary and and somehow live in that tension. I've got to somehow manage this ongoing tension between logic and gut feeling. You know, I got to learn how to compete with others, but I also got to learn how to collaborate with others, make sure I get people in the right camps. You know, as you said earlier, in communication... I need a deep understanding of what I do in my area of expertise, but I got to find a way to communicate that simply. And, and, you know, the more success we get in our consulting and our coaching, the more work and home becomes something we better be paying attention to because it will not solve itself. It's something that needs constant attention. Not that one wins and one loses, but that I can say, hey, you know what? Work and home, I'm not meeting in the middle. I'm not compromising. I'm rocking it at both. I feel great about my home life. And I'm not
1: doing it to neglect work. This is a both hand. It's a win-win. Oh, brilliantly said, brilliantly said. So Tim, we end off every single one of our podcast episodes by asking you, our expert guests, what are your top three expert action steps that you can share with our listener in bullet point form to help them elevate their life and grow their business? Give it to me, brother top three steps to grow my
0: business, to elevate my life, specifically in terms of building kind of my thought leadership and my practice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what? I think
0: the I think the the first thing that comes to mind for me, and this is not my turn. I actually heard this by someone whose books have inspired my life very much, Bob Dock, but he talks a lot about spontaneous planning. You know, as we're building things, we obviously have to be you know, open to change, but I, I do think that when you look at the year ahead, you got to have a few kind of key expectations in terms of what you're going to move forward. So, you know, I, I, I use the term or the bullet point would be spontaneous planning, but I have a plan for, you know, where are you going to be in terms of your social media audience? What are you going to guarantee you're going to publish in the next year? Maybe not a book, maybe it's four articles, you know, who are three conversations of thought leaders that you admire that you will commit to seeing. And for me, I never plan this stuff beyond a year because for me, that's just too far down the road. But every year it's like, okay, who are, who am I going to meet with? You know, what am I going to, what am I going to read? What's the, what's the growth that I expect in kind of my following, my tribe. So one would be that just to have a, you know, we do great plans in terms of, okay, I'm going to, this is my schedule. And you know, this is the the time they're going to go to these conferences, but it's, you know, how am I going to move the ball forward or the needle forward in the next year? I think that'd be one. I would say um, the other one for me uh, would be, you know, and, and it's funny because I don't mean to say this in a self-serving way. You don't need to work with me, but I was introduced a few years ago to this idea of kind of your second pillar about clarifying your message. And I realized a few a number of years ago that that was a missing piece for me. And, you know, the the understanding I had around conflicting values and tensions was great, but man, I had a heck of a hard time explaining it to people who had no idea what I was talking about. And I think every thought leader, every aspiring thought leader, needs to be relentless on clarifying their message. Find you know, there's lots of great programs out there. There's lots of great thought leaders out there on how to do it. Yeah, do
1: story, do do story brand, or come to East Circle. Those are the two.
0: Storybrand.com. <laughs> But there's lots of great ways out there that you can clarify your message. Storybrand actually has great free resources um, that you can tap into. But you don't let yourself be held back by the curse of knowledge. I think the last one is you know it, it right now a lot of people are you know really uh, focused on Simon Sinek and this idea of why. And but I, I do think the more the more you're working on your five pillars, I think the more you actually have to look at what's underneath those pillars. And it's the foundations. like, why am I doing this? And be honest about it. Like, what do I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, not today, but if I was to have people explain my life, you know, not to be morbid, if my, my eulogy, you know, what would be three words that I hope people would use at my eulogy? And ultimately, I, I think we can get so caught up in just what we're doing to grow our business that we can get detached from the why are we doing this in the first place? And find ways, find practices every single morning, you know, before I do anything else, I start with kind of my personal purpose statement. You know, I start by just writing kind of why do I do what I do and and usually kind of look at, did I live that out yesterday? Is my day today oriented to that purpose? And you know, I don't think I don't think you can spend enough time on the the kind of the why. Why am I doing this? What impact do I feel I've been called to have in the
1: world? These are three brilliant expert action steps, and thank you for sharing them with us, Tim. And listener, go pick up five copies of Tim's book, The Power of Healthy Tension. You've got a website called thepowerofhealthytension.com. Is that correct, Tim? Great, powerofhealthytension.com.
0: It will take you, um, originally, it will take you right to where the book is, and then if you look at the links, there's... Um, also a lot of information about speaking and uh, uh, workshops that I do as well. So yeah, I, lots of great, you go to the article section. I, I try to talk to a lot of um, executives, thought leaders, even athletes, musicians, artists, um, but just ways to learn about, you know, who's, who's absolutely crushing it when it comes to managing tension well and what can we learn from them. So all of that, if you just go to the com. Um, You can navigate around and find some pretty cool resources there.
1: Awesome. And we're going to put that website in the show notes so that you can access that. Make sure that you do that, listener. So you might be thinking to yourself, can I be like Tim Arnold? Is it possible for me to grow my business? Because it's been a while since I've experienced some business growth. And the answer is yes, it is possible. All you need to do is go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment and book a success call with myself or a member of my team. This call is absolutely free. There's no charge. There's no obligation. But in this call, what we're going to do is we're going to work with you to put together a plan to help train you in the pillars of thought leadership, the five pillars that we talked about earlier with Tim, so that you can go and grow your business and your money worries will be over forever. Ever. And the way to do that is go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment or ecircleacademy.com. Go to the top right-hand corner and click on book your success call right now. Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure to have you on.
0: Uh, thank you. And thanks for what you do. I think that it's a, a world that
1: needs more folks like you that are creating tribes and connecting people. So keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it, my man. And right back at you. The world needs you. The world needs Tim Arnold. And that, my friends, wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the inimitable Tim Arnold, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. All the information on his website is going to be there in the show notes. And to jump on a success call with myself or a member of my team to help you grow your business, go to ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Until next time, goodbye.